Well, hey there, freaks. It's your boy Marty Bent here to introduce this week's episode of Tales from the Crypt. Earlier this week, I sat down with Jamal James, the creator of Polar, a tool, productivity tool for developers building on the Lightning Network. Uh, had a killer time sitting down, shooting the shit with Jamal. We talked a lot um, about Polar, about Lightning, about why he's into Bitcoin, how he found it. It's a very interesting story. He was still does uh, run his own company to this day, and uh, uh, you're going to listen to it. You'll hear the story. It's a very interesting story of how he got into the space and how he uh, came to decide to focus on Bitcoin and Lightning particularly. Um, this episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by the Cash App. As you know, Cash App is the simplest way to send and save money and to stack sats. They're letting you stack sats, send sats, receive sats. You do it all, right? And now it's the simplest way to try to grow your money, introducing Cash App Investing. I know, I know. They got stonks now. Why do you want them? I don't know why you want them. Some people have their own reasons. Everybody has their own reasons. I hope you have your own reasons. I hope not allocating uh, the decision-making for the stocks to people who are just out there to get fees for you, right? So do your own research. And now, when you do your own research, Unlike uh, investing tools that only let you buy entire shares of stock, Cash App is going to let you instantly invest as little or as much as you want in any stock available on the on the app. All right. This way, when your favorite company stock is just a little too expensive, you can still own a piece with a little with as little as one dollar because Cash App is directly connected to your bank account. There are no four to five day waiting periods for inbound transfers, so you can start investing today. Today, oi. Brokerage services are provided by Cash App Investing, a subsidiary of Square, and member SIPC. And as always, as always, as always, when you sign up for the Cash App, use the code STACKINGSATS. That's one word, STACKINGSATS, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S. You're going to get $10, and then Cash App's going to be so kind to send $10 to our good friends at Owls Lacrosse. Owls Lacrosse. Download the Cash App from the App Store or Google Play Store today and enjoy this episode with Jamal. It was an incredible time. What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here. It's a Monday night. I'm getting after it early this week on Tales from the Crypt. Uh, very excited for this conversation. I've had the pleasure of getting to know tonight's guest uh, more and more over the last few months in particular as uh, through the New York Bitcoin scene. It's an incredible scene we got here. I'd like to introduce you freaks to the creator of Polar, a, um, you just described it to me, a uh, productivity tool for Lightning Network developers. I'd like to introduce you freaks to Jamal James. Jamal, welcome to the podcast. What's up, Marty? What's up, man? Not the much. Very much enjoying this Hennessy you brought. Oh, you're very welcome, man. It's the best, my favorite. So what is the story behind it? It's the pure white. Pure white Hennessy, uh, not sold in the States. There's only two geographical locations in the world you can get it. France, Cognac, France, and um, in the Caribbean, Bahamas, Barbados. French French uh, Caribbean islands? Or? Yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah. Well, it's delicious. I was saying I could chug this. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I, all yours, man. I so, had the whiskey out, but I'm very happy for the Hennessy Audible. <laughs> My drink of choice. <laughs> um, no, I'm very excited for this conversation. I mean, like I said, I've been getting to know you uh, more over the last couple of weeks and the last few months, actually. We had a good conversation up here. It's going away dinner. 
Yeah. You have a very interesting story. Um, do I? I, don't I think like, so. <laughs> I don't feel like I do. Well, you, you, you software background, and you found a little niche within Bitcoin, which a lot of people strive for, um, which I find very interesting. So before we get into Bitcoin, yeah, like what, what were you doing before Bitcoin and what brought you to it? Uh, so I, I would say what brought me into Bitcoin was, well, prior to Bitcoin, I kind of... How far back do I want to go? Um, actually, I've only had two jobs my entire life. Um, I'm middle aged, I'd say. I'm not young anymore, but <laughs> got a few kids. <laughs> yeah, I got a few kids. Um, but uh, so first out of college, I worked at a company called Computer Associates at the time. CA. They're like a Fortune 500 company. Build software for like mainframes and you know huge 25,000 employees all across the world globally. Um, so I started my career there doing IT work, um, went to school, university for computer science, uh, but so learned how to write code and all that stuff there in very old languages. Like what? There's a language called Modula 3. (laughs) Modula 3 is what I learned in Stony Brook. They switched to Java my senior year, but, um, that was literally remoting into a mainframe terminal, like a Linux-based environment, and doing all your programming in a terminal using what these hardcore crypto guys use today, like um, Vim, uh, Emacs, and uh, some, just no user interface, just black and white screen, writing code. I was going to say, it sounds like a cypherpunk's wet dream. It right? does. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely getting into crypto brought me back. <laughs> brought me back. But... Um, so after that, I did IT work for a few years and then um, uh, started a company um, back in 2006. 2006, started a company doing uh, um, like websites originally. Uh, a partner of mine, oh, my founder, my co-founder, uh, was a restaurateur, had multiple delis, restaurants out in Long Island. Uh, it was kind of his idea, oh, I want to build. Uh, this website that people can just order online from me. And this is 05, 06. Pre-Grubhub. Yeah, pre-Grubhub. This is, I mean, at the time, it was pretty uh, new. Uh, There was no one doing, like, food ordering online. It pretty much was eBay and Amazon was the only place people would trust enough to put their credit card in. It was pretty taboo Mm -hmm. to put your credit card online at those times. Um, but he had the idea, and you know, we kind of connected through a uh, mutual relationship. Uh, like I said, at, when I was at CA, his cousin was my manager at CA. Okay. So that's how the introduction started. And in 2006, um, we decided to quit our jobs, started giving away sites for free in the beginning, and then first year, um, got you know about four employees, or not including us, so like two other employees, a designer and customer support person. And we just kind of grew the business from there. And so it's been actually this month made the 14-year anniversary of me (laughs) building this company to now over 50 employees and, uh, you know, a few thousand customers all across the U.S. and Canada. It's, you know, profitable company. It's not like... It's no Uber, um, but it's definitely fulfilling. No, congrats. If uh, Nassim Taleb would hear, he'd be thanking you aggressively (laughs) for being an entrepreneur. 
building a company and sustaining it for 15 years seems like something that's very hard to do. Oh, no, it's definitely not easy. The first few years, it was surprisingly, the first few years are the hardest. My, fr- my partner and I had this joke because, you know, when you're building a business, you're the last to get paid. Like, we literally had to make sure employees were paid before we got paid. So the first few years was literally just blood, sweat, and tears. Like, we used to, we used to print paychecks for ourselves, but we literally just thumbtack them to the wall. So we, we'd call our paychecks wallpaper because <laughs> there was no taking those to the bank. Did, was it Ricky Henderson who did that with the paycheck once? Right, exactly. Yeah, uh, the I think it was the A's. They were wondering why their uh, why their um, uh, why their payroll was off by a few hundred thousand dollars, and they found out that Ricky Henderson never uh, never cashed never a couple cashed checks. He just framed it and put it on his wall. There you go. Yeah, that's that's how we lived for a few years. But he was do, he was doing it. At, but he was doing it out of a out of vanity. You guys were doing it out of necessity. Right. We had no choice. <laughs> <laughs> it was like if I if I could just get a hundred bucks to put some gas in the car and some some groceries for the house. I mean, 14, 15 years that you've been building, technology's changed a lot. The uh, stack's changed a lot. The interactions have changed a lot. What's it been like keeping up and adapting? I mean, to be honest with you, it's been fun. Um, you know, I'm, I'm myself. I mean, we have a great team that I work with. Um, I'm super excited about, you know, the latest in tech. Um, so we're, we're pretty uh, forward-thinking in terms of... Uh, trying to keep up with what's going on like we originally when i originally built the stack it was in um c sharp and dot net on the back end a whole bunch of uh not much going on on the front end but then we saw this transition i'd say over the last mm, six to eight years of these front end based applications with react javascript heavy what else Um, yeah when I was selling software from like 2014 to 2016, software services, yeah, it was like React, Ember JS was big at the time, and I think that died right. out. Angular, Angular Anywhere became big, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we were actually pretty early um, with React. We we were using React. Wow, they were still small. Like it wasn't something you would put on your resume. It literally was like I forget the version number. It was like zero dot fourteen or something like that. But this was I don't know five years ago. Um, but we were looking to build some software um, and we were evaluating what was available on the market in terms of frameworks and, um, you know, front end development became, started becoming really pretty popular. And uh, it was either that, it was Angular. Um, this was before Vue.js. I mean, Angular and React were pretty much the only two that were out there. There were some other very small niche um, frameworks, but they weren't in, we didn't know how sustainable they, you know, how long they'd be around. So we kind of, um, after evaluating, chose React, and yeah, we've been doing React development for a pretty long time. Yeah, well, it's great. It's a great example of sort of the network effects these frameworks have, and uh, like the some of the frameworks I was pitching when I was selling ser- services four years ago aren't around anymore; are just completely dead. So yeah. how <laughs> how do these like network effects going to be, and how does like one framework win out? Over another, is it developer? Yeah, I think it's developer mindset. Honestly, it's because that's what makes great frameworks is the developer community around it to be able to go to Stack Overflow and ask a question and get someone to answer it. To be able to look up um, blog posts, you know, search for an issue and find blog posts to be able to contribute. If you find a bug, to be able to give back and push it. So I think that's one of the great things about open source community um, is that it 
allows you know a, a community to foster around a certain project, which is you know kind of one of the reasons that got me into <laughs> into Bitcoin and crypto. Right, so you're providing a natural segue here. Yeah, I am. You've, you're very welcome. That's thank you. That this is uh, it's the, one of the hardest parts of the job is uh, creating <laughs> natural segues. Uh, you got into it because an investor asked you to look into how you would hire a developer, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, um, of uh, an investor in my company, early investor uh, many years ago, um, he had began getting in- interested in cryptocurrencies uh, much before I did. He, I remember, like 2013, he mentioned it. You know, I didn't really pay much mind. You know, my I was head down buried in my business it was just like nothing else mattered outside of making my company successful mm-hmm. so i was just ah sounds good but not interested and so um it was in 2017 where he approached me saying he's looking to start a, a company inside of the, the cryptocurrency industry uh he's heard some great things about this project called ethereum um he says it's just like javascript you just need javascript developers and so he reached out to me and said, hey, we're looking to start a company. I want to kind of put together or find some JavaScript developers or developers that can build on Ethereum's." And he just said, hey, could you help me out in terms of understanding like what the skill sets I'm looking for? Maybe help me put a job description together so I can post it online, you know, eventually help him out with interviewing, stuff like that. Um, so I didn't know anything about cryptocurrency at all. You know, like I said, I've been ignoring it for for many years if you don't mind me asking what year was this this was 2017 okay so this was during the thing uh the mania phase <laughs> which i had no idea was even happening <laughs> <laughs> what like what part of the year is this? like spring, uh, summer summer yeah. summer yeah this was summer i think the first time i looked at it prices of, of bitcoin might have been around two thousand three thousand yeah, yeah yeah like somewhere 1500 around. to three thousand right yeah. somewhere around there yeah it's crazy how fast it ran up people <laughs> yeah. forget i mean that's like we're sitting here at what, like around eight thousand right now and people are like oh we're so far but <laughs> we were only above ten thousand for like 14 days right exactly yeah. if that or 20 days i forget what the exact number is but you get the point freaks yeah um so what was your first thought when you did yeah, take it to be honest around? with you when I saw Ethereum, like I, I literally spent the first night, I spent like just reading, like what is Ethereum, what does it do, and you know, at the time it was just like unstoppable applications, world computer. I was just mind blown. <laughs> is this real? Like holy crap! I can't believe this actually exists. Understanding what a blockchain was and trying to wrap my head around it was uh, it, it it hit me. It, it, I look back and say, if I had would have spent just a few hours looking into it, looking into it back in 2013 or 2012, maybe even, I could see myself getting interested in it, um, but just not having looked into it. Just yeah, just you find it when you find it, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Sometimes you gotta wait. Yeah. Till the till the right moment to find it. So. And so you were. It seems like you were enticed, right? By, yeah, by yeah, yeah. I was definitely very interested in it. Um, as soon as as soon as he um, as soon as he mentioned it, it was just like as soon as I looked into it, and so you know over the next few weeks I continued to help him out with what he was looking to help, uh, looking for help for. So I, you know, obviously, at the same time I'm looking at the prices mm-hmm. and the prices are moving. You know, I had I've been in the stock market investing for a few years, 
prior to that. So, you know, I had money in the stock market. Dibble and dabble, definitely not trading or mm-hmm. anything like that. But, you know, buy some. Oh, it seems like Apple's not moving. Let me do this or Microsoft or move this, move that. So nothing active, but, you know, seeing uh, my portfolio move in the stock market. And, and by that time, I think I had put like, right, let me just throw a thousand bucks at it. And it went up like 40% in a week or something like that. And I was just, what? I can't even get this in a year. Was this Ethereum or Bitcoin? <laughs> this was, uh, I think it was Bitcoin. Yeah. I think I just bought Bitcoin. Yeah. I just, yeah. So I saw Ethereum, but my immediate reaction to the token Ether was like, I don't really see the monetary value of it immediately. Like to me, it was like, all right, it's, it's gas. Like that's the interpretation I was receiving immediately. Um, so I, re- I was like, I can't really see any reason why someone would want to hold this for a long term. Interesting. Yeah. So I had a little bit tangent of a backstory, but I definitely had spent a little bit of time trying to understand money after the financial crisis. I was, you know, um, involved with my company at the time and we saw the impacts of the financial crisis. It impacted our business Mm -hmm. um, just because people weren't spending, you know, people just clutch their purses and actually um my wife and i watched a funny movie that it revolves around the impact of the financial crisis hustlers with jennifer lopez uh, and impacted the uh the uh stripper business as well yeah, yeah. <laughs> people just stopped spending as much as they used to like if it wasn't an absolute necessity it was not you know they didn't want to let it go so so yeah we saw that impact you know there were times where we didn't even know if we were gonna make it like oh this this might be it for us type mm-hmm. of thing and so Fast forward to when I'm looking at um, Ethereum and Bitcoin, um, I had spent some time after the crisis just trying to understand what the hell happened because I'm not a Wall Street guy. I don't know what's going on and with the banks and the finance, <laughs> the finance guys. Um, but, you know, you, you watch some documentaries or some YouTube videos and you kind of get an idea of, you know, what went wrong and it just... I had this eerie feeling that just something isn't right. Like, mm-hmm. there's something broken here which I can't explain. I don't know how to wrap my head around it. You know, I'm not a, not a gold bug, you know, just, of sound money. Like, I, I didn't even know what sound money was at the time. And I think it, uh, whenever uh, the powers that be, all the politicians and central bankers in the world say, hey, we need $2 trillion right now or the world's going to implode. Right. Yeah. Something goes off in people's minds. Like, hey, this, something might be wrong. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you know, the... the the too big to fail thing is just like that doesn't seem like how an economy is supposed to function right like somebody if they're doing something they shouldn't be doing they should fail right <laughs> they should, these why are they the only industry that get bailed out and well that's the thing we're 11 years out now and that's what is interesting right we're at this this point where it's out, it seems like we're going to go back to qe and we're just going to revert to the policies that we instituted right after the financial crisis but back then when those policies were being instituted it felt like there's like a more of a like occupy wall street was around and people were viscerally right. angry and like on the streets but now it's just like oh it's a it's just a normal thing right yeah it's, it's just, just a normal thing it's like people it's like they can if they're persistent enough and uh able to band-aid over the the bullet wound for long enough names. people yeah people forget and yeah that's very true short memories man but 
tangent back to back. <laughs> so you had <laughs> this in the back of your mind. Ether was gas in your right. mind. Right. So to me, ether was gas in my mind. And, and, and Bitcoin just felt like, you know, digital gold. I can buy that. It's uncontrolled. You know, originally, a funny story too was I had, when people said it was, you know, a fixed supply, I'm like, it's an open source project. Like, I can go in and I see the line of code where it says it's a supply. How is this not? you know, set in stone. Like how, how is this set in stone? Like, how is this not changeable? I mean, anyone can update this code and run it. And it wasn't until months later. I still was um, skeptical, thinking, like, I'm not buying this 21 million cap. Like, <laughs> like this, this is so easy to change it. I can go in and change it. Like, how is this possible? And then it wasn't until months later, like, after. Um, so I came in. I started getting interested in Bitcoin right around the Bcash fork. Mm -hmm. um, and then I remember it was towards later on, towards November, there was like the 2X. Um, 2X failed. Right. The 2X was off originally, by one. Right. <laughs> they were originally going to fork and then they called it off a few days earlier. Um, but it was then that I really started to wrap my hand around the consensus protocol and the fact that even though it's in the code, no, everyone has to run the code in order to make it. Yeah. There's a social aspect to it. Right. There's a social The shelling aspect. point, like the shelling point. What code base is the shelling point? Right, exactly. The one with the limit. Yeah. So that's kind of when I was like, oh, wow, this is no joke. Like, this is the real deal. The, 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 the 21 million limit is actually set in stone, and no one can change that. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of when I... Um, started like really focusing like primarily on Bitcoin. Um, originally it was like, you know, and at the time this is the ICO hype. So everyone, you know, had a, to a new, a new blockchain. Wan chain, <laughs> IOTA. Wan chain, IOTA. Everyone's new blockchain was gonna be 10,000 TPS and, um, you know, much better than Bitcoin in all aspects of the word, much better than Ethereum and, you know, so this was, Super confusing. Yeah. For someone just coming into the space. I love Bitcoin, but buy my shitcoin, please. Right. <laughs> so that was, so this is like the end of 2017. So yeah. Lightning wasn't launched till January 2018, correct? Yes. I wasn't paying attention to Lightning at all mm -hmm. at that time, but yes. So you're running your company, and how long did it take you to sort of coalesce on Bitcoin and then decide to actually contribute via Lightning, or did you did you start doing PRs or Bitcoin Core? Yeah, or? so I I would say I, my first contribution to Lightning was in the summer of eighteen. Um, I contributed to the Zap Wallet, Jack Marlin. Shout out to him. Shout out Jack. Awesome dude. Incredible um, dude. Yeah, <laughs> very incredible. His whole family. Right. <laughs> um. So prior to that, I'd say the early two thousand eighteen was still just, you know, in the markets, you know, on the, the investing side of it, so to speak. And then, you know, once peak hit and it started coming down, it's like, all right, it's not going up anymore. Excitement's kind of wearing off. Let me really get my head wrapped around the technicals, you know, and that's, that's when I started diving deep into kind of uh, reading um, Andreas's book. Mastering Bitcoin. Yeah, Mastering Bitcoin. So... Um, read through that. Um, actually, I'm sorry, no. Prior to that, actually, I had gotten into Lightning first. 
I was interested in Lightning first prior to that because I think I did start hearing things about our oh, Lightning network is a scaling solution or a scaling solution for Bitcoin. Um, started looking into um, the LND implementation, which you know had an API. So I'll preface this by saying that most of my development has been all in like the application level development, no protocol, low level engineering type of stuff. Yeah, we'll get to what you're building. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, as an application level developer, um, approaching Bitcoin itself can seem a bit daunting. Like, you know, these things, these transactions are like an array of bytes, which in hexadecimal formats. And, you know, these are things you don't deal with as an application level developer. You get JSON strings, integers. Numbers. Clean. <laughs> it's clean. It's human readable. You're going back to what was it called? Jason. No, no. The uh, the first language something. Oh, three. modular three. Modular three. Right. Exactly. All command line. All terminal. Um, yeah. This was. Uh, so Bitcoin was a little, um, you know, like spooky. Like, ooh, that's that's low level stuff. <laughs> so, um, but then when I started looking into Lightning, that's when. I was like, oh, this is LND has an awesome API, REST API that's, you know, human readable is more along the lines of what you would expect as a person developing mobile application, web applications, desktop applications. Um, so that's kind of what got me interested in like, and I felt like at the time Lightning was pretty wide open in terms of, you know, what's available. I felt like Bitcoin you know, close to 10 years of development, a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the low-hanging fruit has already been built. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, all right, what's well, lightning? This, like, open greenfield that, you know, they call it in the development world. It's like plenty of opportunity to contribute yeah. to the space. And it's changed a lot since the first launch. Yeah. It's been a lot of development. I mean, it's grown pretty big and also the you know, the, the, the community around it and uh, the tooling and the, the um, features and functionality is just, I'm, I'm like, we'll go into this as well, but I'm, I'm super excited about AMP. Like, that to me is like a huge leap forward. Spe being able to make a single payment for multiple channels at once? Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah that's, that's a huge leap forward because in terms of usability because now people don't really have to worry about how much is on this channel, how much is on that mm -hmm. channel. Um, I think that's a, a burden, you know, that people shouldn't have to think about. It's just like, it's like my bank account. If I have $50 in my account, why can't I send $50? Why is yeah. the max I could send $15? Exactly. That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, they don't realize it's separated between account or... Exactly, or, through channels. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to think of how we should go from here because... All right, yeah, let's just go naturally. AMP is amping you up. Cause and that's the thing. Like, all right, here's how we go. I want to, cause I want to work this in cause BitMax research posted over the weekend an update on lightning network. They did mm -hmm. a bunch of in-depth research and found that there was something like 90,000 forced close right. um, channels, which is higher than expected. And not that people are closing channels, but it's like higher because they expected fewer channels to be open. So it's alluding to the fact that there may be a lot of private channels that people um, don't right. Don't, can't see um, exists. So uh, it would also allude to the fact that maybe Lightning Network's 
uh, getting a lot more uh, usage than people people expect right now. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. It, it's. I mean, and that's what we want ultimately. Like we want that's that's the privacy we're looking for. You know, it's an it's an unfortunate side effect that we can't get visibility <laughs> into the entire network to be able to you know, scream to the mountaintops how great Lightning's doing, but at the same time, that's exactly what we want is the privacy of not being able to be seen yeah. on the Lightning Network. Now, it's very, uh, very underrated privacy uh, provider right now in the cryptocurrency space. Everybody's focused on individual coins, but again, like, I've been saying this forever, like, second layer solutions always seemed like the best way for me, like, stacking it and working in in that in that fashion. So I guess... Before we get into what's exciting you, I think to help maybe other developers that may be listening to this podcast who are trying to get in to the space and uh, are weighing the opportunity cost of working on one project over the other, what made you pick Lightning and Bitcoin over Ethereum? Like, isn't Ethereum supposed to be easy to develop? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it ultimately... Was it the monetary thing? Like, you Yeah, it was, it was the... Uh, just my outlook on what's going to be around in 10 years. Where do I invest my mental energy, learning, understanding, researching, building, you know, what's going to be, what's going to be here in, in 10, 20 years. And, you know, like I said, at the time I was, uh, you know, I was seeing so much out there. Like there, there was a point in time where I was like trying to keep up with not even the technical side, just the, um, the names, above. the names, and the announcements in <laughs> <laughs> this release and this partnerships. Oh my goodness, the partnerships! So many partnerships. <laughs> Jack Ma, so many partnerships he never knew he, he engaged in. Yeah, it's just trying to keep up with all this. It, it was just like, all right, I'm never going to get anything done if I try to do everything. So it's, I have to focus my attention somewhere. And I mean, ultimately, the, the choice came down to focus on Bitcoin primarily because I felt. It had the most potential of longevity. I mean, to be honest with you, I felt Ethereum was still. Um, I, I, I worry about whether or not. I mean, scaling is obviously scaling is necessary. Like I understood. That, to me, I looked at it as scaling is an absolute necessity for an application level infrastructure. You you, you can't do anything without scaling. You have to scale it. Um, and I mean, you know, transactions per second, if you want to run, you know, businesses are going to run, you know, their infrastructure on top of something like Ethereum, this unstoppable computer, it has to scale, like whether it's on chain or not. But, and I, contrary to that, I believe with the money, monies, you don't want to be moving around too much. You want stability. You want assured you know you want to be sure that it's not going to change underneath you like you don't want feature after feature after feature after feature for your money yeah. like, i want to know this dollar in my pockets i'm going to be able to spend it 20 yeah. years from now if i leave it under my mattress yeah because feature after feature after feature is also precedent after precedent after precedent right exactly. precedent to change <laughs> it in the future right yeah and and you want confidence i i think i i've learned that that for your money the less it changes the better you know, it's, I don't, I don't want my money moving on me, <laughs> moving around on me. So, you know, from that perspective, and it just made sense to me in terms of, um, you know, how conservative, you know, how very, very strict and uh, meticulous 
the development community is around Bitcoin. Like, you know, there's multiple eyes looking at every single change that goes in and reviewed, you know, up and down and left and right before anything gets put into the protocol, let alone into the consensus code. Yeah, I mean, we had a front row seat to a couple of the minds working on that, reviewing that last week at the 100th Socratic meeting. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and there's some, um, some incredible, incredible talent working in the space. I mean, I, I was blown away when I went to my first bit devs. I literally sat there just... What was that like? Oh, my goodness. I mean, I literally... I've, I've told my first bit dev story on this podcast. Let's hear yours. <laughs> so, um, when was the first bit dev? This was probably, I think, September or October 2018. Um, I had already contributed to um, uh, the Zap Wallet. And I remember um, going in there... Sitting down, you know, everyone's pretty nice. I mean, I didn't really speak to too many people, but um, Jay, um, when I walked in, I was there pretty early, so there weren't that many people there. Um, he said, what's up? Started talking, you know, chit-chat. Then I sat down, and they start going over, you know, Jay starts going over all the, the you know, um, papers that's been written, the news, and all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty digestible. I'm not, you know, I'm not grasping Nothing but 10% of this stuff. <laughs> I don't think I've grasped more than like 5% of anything I've consumed it. Like some of this stuff is like, oh. And then, um, and then um, John starts going into the PRs and the reviews. And I was just like, after, you know, two hours sitting in that room, I was literally like, I've never been in a room with this many like intelligent developers you know, engineers, you know, just people in general. And the conversations that were going on there, too, were just incredible, you know, seeing uh, Matt just jump in and and give some feedback of, like, all right, that's not going to work. You know, do this or do that. And it was just, I've I've literally, like, never sat in a room. See, it's, for me, and I've been kind of siloed, I'll admit, you know, um, in terms of, like, I have definitely have a great, team of the um, developers that I work with that contribute great ideas, but it was like, uh, it was immediately obvious that these were like cream of the crop type of developers that that were in here. I'm always mentally exhausted from trying to keep up, like literally physically drained from, (laughs) because I mean, it's a testament to Jay and John and now Andre who leads the the lightning session of Mm -hmm. of the meetup, They, they, they prepare, like Jay, reads in a crazy amount of, of papers and vulnerability uh, reports that I, I don't think I could even do in a year, let alone from month to month. Like, <laughs> like, like a bit, the amount insane. of white papers he has to read and we talk about per, per meetup is, uh, is impressive. And then on top of that, the whole format of it, the Socratic nature of it, people throwing ideas out there and, right. and battle testing those ideas in a very uh, level-headed way right. most of the time. Yeah, the the discussions are just they're uh, they're they're originally they're very intimidating. I, I was I was like, uh, I'm not sure if I belong in this room. <laughs> <laughs> like these guys, I don't know if I'm ever going to be able to contribute to these type of discussions. Yeah. Well, 
this is a great segue. Thank you again for more segues. <laughs> you got over your imposter syndrome and you've created something that developers fucking love. So let's talk about Polar. Yeah, man. You, uh, so you're talking about uh, these things need to be scalable at the end of the day. And it seems like Lightning might be the network via which Bitcoin scales at least to some capacity. And right. that's what you're focusing on. And then uh, to scale the second layer to make that scalable, you have to make make it possible to build on top of it and to do that you have to have tools that make it easy to build on top of it and that's what you've built a tool uh that helps with developer productivity and i've only seen one review and it's from somebody who else has been on this podcast and uh if she's giving this review your uh your product's definitely the creme de la, de la creme carla kirk cohen saying oh yeah as soon as it came out she scrapped everything she was doing and started using your product right away yeah so what did you what the hell did you build so it's a developer tool. I mean, it's it's weird. I know people here like, why would you build something like that? <laughs> a tool for developers, like, uh, you know, that not for end users. But um, it's essentially a developer tool that simplifies um, creating a light, uh, creating a local Lightning network. So if you're not familiar, um, as a developer, building against any type of, you know, external service, you want to simulate. You want to have some type of test environment that you can test with. Um, Bitcoin does have a test net, but, um, and lightning, there's a lightning network around the test net. Um, uh, but if you're building, um, towards, if you're building an application, you want, you know, immediate feedback, you want, you know, a very quick feedback loop, you know, you make a change to your code, you run it, you see what works, what doesn't work, what's broken, what you need to tweak what commands not working, what errors you're getting, how to handle them, you know, update your UI with this information. So you want that feedback loop to be as quick as possible. So in Bitcoin, um, there's this reg test mode that you can run your Bitcoin core node in, which um, if you're developing against Bitcoin and Lightning Network, you can, you know, LND, you can run in reg test mode as well. So you can basically have a local copy of a Bitcoin network with as many nodes as you want to create, um, essentially running on your laptop where you don't even need an internet connection to be running multiple nodes, multiple Bitcoin nodes, multiple lightning nodes. And then you can interact, have your application interact with those nodes in order to, um, be able to, you know, either create and destroy the network and, or, you know, reset the network back to the beginning or deposit and transfer funds mine blocks you don't want to wait 10 minutes every time you make a change for a new block to be mined like it'll take you two weeks to get any any feature done um so when i began working on lightning network that was the first thing is like all right how do i how do i get started running this reg test environment so went through there's a on um lightning labs has a tutorial i remember first looking at that and walking through each step, you know, download source code, compile it, install the dependencies, um, execute this command, update this config file, uh, run your Bitcoin node, whether it be uh, BTCD, which is a Go implementation of a Bitcoin client, um, or Bitcoin Core, which um, I don't know if you've ever you probably haven't compiled Bitcoin Core from source code, but let's just say it's a daunting. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty daunting task, and it's not um, it's not simple to say the least. So, um, you know, getting that environment set up is 
could take you hours. Like, you know, you, there's a, a fair amount of commands to run. If you haven't done it, it's your first time ever doing it. It could certainly take you hours, possibly even days. I've heard stories of people saying it's taken them days just to get a local environment set up. So when I went through it, you know, I had it working um, and it was great. And um, if I wanted to add or change my nodes up, it was a bit of work. You know, I had to change a bunch of configuration files. So it was a lot of command line, a lot of configuration. You know, pretty much your nodes are running in the command line. So you have to, you know, when I restart my computer, I have to restart up the Bitcoin node, type in commands to start up. If I got four lightning nodes running to start up each one, and you know, of course, I can create aliases um, in order to make it quicker, or script it a bit to make it quicker. Um, but you know, it's all command line. There's no uh, visual feedback or anything like that. And were you um, discovering these pain points when you were building on Zap? Uh, building on Jewel actually on Jewel. is when I really faced it. Yeah, because mm-hmm. um, I, I, I spent after Willow Burn launched his project, uh, the Lightning Jewel browser plugin. Um, I was really excited about that project because I felt like it needed to exist. Like I said, I had spent some time on the Ethereum side, so they had MetaMask. So when he launched that, it was just like, oh, this has to exist. Like this needs to exist for Lightning to interact with the web. So there was, you know, when he launched it, there was definitely like um, coming soon type of features. Like I think um, it couldn't send um, on-chain Bitcoin transactions in the initial release. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was even helping with his project, you know, I'm my first couple pull requests were just like developer productivity improvements. Like, all right, let's tweak this. You know, I spent time with React. So React has this thing called hot reload where you get even faster feedback instead of having to refresh the browser or the plugin, you know, it live updates whenever you make changes to your code. So, you know, my first couple of PRs was just like implementing those features in his project to make, you know, just that speed up that feedback loop of making change to your code, seeing an app, and just the faster you can be as a iterating over your source code, the more you'll get done in less time. So, um, so yeah, so I spent a bunch of time with Will, um, or working on Will's project uh, a few months, probably even more. Um, and that's where I basically got my environment set up um, and was spending a lot of time running those nodes and interacting with them. So that's, that's where I suffered the pain, that, uh, that Polar. So it took the scenic route to get to why Polar. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that's a good scenic route, though. Yeah. yeah. Um, with Willow Byrne, shout out to a fellow beefy Bitcoin boy, Willow Byrne. Yeah, big shout, Will. Um, so, yeah, so once um, I got... <clears throat> so going through that experience, it was literally like, this is like I felt like I was going back to my college days in the modular three era of building of developing software. Like that's what it reminded me of. And I was like, nah, not in 2018. There's, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a better way. Like <laughs> the world has come too far for this. Right. <laughs> it's just unacceptable. Like, I'm better than this. <laughs> As a developer, I deserve better. Um so yeah, that was that was really the motivation there. It was just, I mean, I spent some time looking for what was out there, what you know, and I just I found a, a few other um, tools to automate this experience. Like there's some tools um, I can't forget the name. They're pretty um, not well known. They're you know they're pretty like a few people in the L and D Slack 
mentioned them when I had asked. Uh, but they were all command line. They were all terminal-based. And I felt like, you know, if we want to introduce a lot of the developers, at least from my perspective, in both, you know, being an application-level developer as well as hiring application-level developers, you know, they, their expectations are different from a protocol mm-hmm. engineer. You know, protocol engineers are, they're looking at bits and bytes. They're, they're optimizing for speed. You know, they're keyboard junkies like these guys. <laughs> just keyboard shortcut kings. Um, and so, but the application level developers, the, the, you know, the people that I've spent a lot of time working with, you know, we want to go to a website, download the tool, double click on it, launch it, and it just works. And now I can start building my application. You want to move fast and break things, right? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's like, and that's what Lightning provides is like the way to figure out how to make leverage Bitcoin in a not a rec well, maybe reckless it is reckless yes reckless is the is the meme that went around i mean as long as you're on reg test you're, you're all set <laughs> you can do reckless all day long on reg test yeah but no that's i mean well that's again getting back to polar so you you built that's what you worked you did the chain code summer residency correct i did i did the seminar portion the so seminar. i wasn't an official resident mm-hmm. but i did get invited i guess based off of um, I mean, I, I applied to the to the to the regency, but they were focused on protocol developers. Mm-hmm. Um, but they did invite me to come sit through the seminar portion, which was two and a half weeks of presentations, you know, a little hack um, um, sessions mm-hmm. um, to 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 hack away at some either the Bitcoin source code or Lightning project stuff like that. Small little sacks, but a lot of it was presentations from a lot of the popular names in the Bitcoin and Lightning world mm-hmm. um, from the big companies, Blockstream, you know, Lightning Labs and Async. And, um, so, yeah, so spent the two weeks, two and a half weeks there. Um, and there was a lot of prep for that. Like, actually, I think there was about six weeks of weekly um, conversations, uh, reading assignments and weekly conversations about the reading assignments you know went through a lot of jimmy song's book at the time a lot of the lightning um, network specifications um so that was you know where i was probably spent most of my time towards the spring and summer of uh 2018 mm-hmm. um, prior to creating prola so it was kind of my transition from working on jewel and then was focusing on the residency stuff and then once the residency was over then I got jumped into uh, Polar because um, I wanted to get back into Lightning development, but I was like, you know what, this something needs to exist to make this a little bit easier for developers to 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 build on on the Lightning network. Yeah, and you launched Polar what three, four months? Um, when did I launch it? November, November. So two months left. Two, two and a half, three months. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. It was. And how was it? Uh, how was it received? How have people been using it so far? Oh, um, very good. You, yeah, are... it's it's surprising. I, I didn't think <laughs> it would be received as well, especially from non-developers. Like, I didn't think you know non-developers would see the benefit at all. Because you don't, if you don't feel the pain, you don't really know. Like, all right, this this hurts. Like, <laughs> um, but it's been received really well. Like, I was I was pleasantly surprised that you know I thought. It, to be honest with you, a part of it was me selfishly building for me. Like, I just was fed up. <laughs> <laughs> it's 2018. I deserve better. 
Right. I was just kind of fed up and just like, I, I, need, I need to make my life a bit easier. Um, so let me just spend a few months hacking something together. And um, when I um, put it out there, it was just like, you know, a lot of people were just either tweeting or messaging me like, dude, this is amazing. It makes my life so much easier. And um, can we do this or can we make it do that? And, you know, it was just amazing feedback. I was... Yeah, what's the interaction with your project been like? Has there been a lot of PRs? Uh, um, there's been a few. Uh, I think there were about four contributors. Um, a couple of just minor stuff. Um, Willowburn, I think, you know, he was circling back <laughs> to me. But he, he made a, a pretty substantial contribution to it. Um, uh, uh, some great feedback in terms of um, feature requests. A um, few issues posted um, that got fixed. So it's been, it's been pretty uh, interactive. Not you know, it's no Bitcoin Core repository. But no, it's no. Well, it, you were saying some non-developers noticed it. I noticed it. I think I wrote about it like the day after you dropped it because you did, yeah. Because it's a sign like you being interested enough to build this very specific niche tool for developers so that they can build on this niche second layer scaling. Yeah. Uh, technology. It says something, right? Like it says there's something there. And the fact that you're you're out there building tools so that people can build other things too. Like right. if it's worth building the tools, it might be worth it overall. Which well, it, that's true. Which like which is what's fascinated me about it. like seeing you do that gives me more confidence in lightning. The fact that you're that interested. Yeah. I mean ultimately I'm 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 a big believer when you go into the economic side or too much into the philosophical side of why Bitcoin oh, let's is go. amazing. <laughs> I mean, I don't have much to contribute there, but um, I'm, I'm, let's just say I'm a, I'm a huge believer um, in the social economic benefits of Bitcoin in general, you know, as it, it, it relates to our global society and improving human beings as we are to make us better. So, you know, I want to see Bitcoin win. I want to see Lightning win. Um, and I just felt uh, in order for us to build, uh, for developers to build the next killer app, we need to attract a much wider audience of developers to the Lightning Network. And, you know, I just want to not let the onboarding tooling experience be, you know. A barrier to entry. A barrier to entry, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, because if... if I would I would say, you know, and and Paul is not all that's needed. There's definitely more tooling that can be done to improve the experience. Like uh, what? Um, I mean, I think SDKs. I'm not sure if you're familiar with, but basically software development kits. There you go. Okay, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who I'm talking to. <laughs> I had to sell software services at some point. Yeah, I I think um, discovery of these tools. Um, one like the SDKs are definitely needed like good polished SDKs that keep up with the implementations there's a lot of um, SDKs out there um, some but it's pretty fragmented you know because you need you know for multiple languages whether it's JavaScript or Go or um, Python or you know you need there's, there's a fair amount there's some good ones too um, in terms of SDKs with interacting with the frameworks but I think there needs to be a little bit of organization around discovery and how people find them because they're not easy to find. They're buried in GitHub with, you know, unless 
you do some really very surgical Google searching <laughs> um, or spend time asking questions in the slacks and stuff there. Yeah. So this is like a problem I'm probably not well um, versed on. So it's hard to find these yeah. very yeah. specific libraries that, that interact with these certain implementations spe- yeah, in specific definitely. ways. Yeah. It's not easy. So, I mean, I would even say that for Polar right now. I don't think it's easy to find Polar. Just having a repository on GitHub is not enough. Yeah, like, so how, how does that compare to other software projects? Like, how would you find similar SDKs on, say, like a WordPress I mean, I think, or something like that? Um, having a source, like, I, I, I imagine it would be great to um, have a source that most people are aware exists, whether it be, you know, the Lightning website, for instance. That's where people are going to go to start. Um, and have that source kind of recommend somewhere to go for the SDKs. I know there's, you know, they don't want to recommend any any specific thing, um, any one specific tool, because, you know, it's not built by them. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I think that you need that in, in terms of onboarding developers. Like, you need, you know, somewhere to go that's, okay, here's a list of tooling that's available for building on type of type of on top of lightning. Yeah, no, and it's we're seeing that play out like at the protocol level too. Like with, with I just had Andrew Chow on talking about PSBTs, like that standard wasn't there until right. late last year, earlier this year, and software was arguably made inefficiently because there was no standard. Right. And everybody's off doing their own thing. Exactly. Because there's no standard. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think We'd be more productive as a community if we work together towards that, you know, tooling for developers. Like if we had, I imagine, I don't know if this is possible, but I imagine, you know, if we had, you know, a single organization on GitHub that had SDKs, tooling, um, website, all built around building on Lightning, that's all open source, so anyone can contribute, Um, but it aggregates the 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 effort that's being put out there you know i think people are very dispersed in in their efforts and it's probably a lot of duplication of the same thing happening so it's kind of inefficient um so do you think this would be an opportunity for some somebody out there potentially a freak who's listening right now and wants to contribute to bitcoin it's not a developer that may be able to do something maybe yeah, organizationally I mean, on github or something like that there yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's any specific one person that can do it. I think it's really a, a, a collaboration of many um, that's going to bring it together. So, you know, anyone can do it, but if they don't get support from the rest of the community, then it's kind of for nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I think it's a combination of, you know, putting in the effort as well as getting the support of um, the community members, not just individuals, but also maybe even you know, the, the implementers of the Lightning Networks, like, you know, the big names that are in the Lightning Network to not even say they have to do it, but just say, okay, here, this is where you go type yeah. of thing. Yeah. No, it's fascinating because it's coming together, right? And these libraries and because, again, I'm just thinking of other guests I've had, like Alexander Leishman at River. He was talking about uh, specific libraries they built for their product that they haven't open source yet, but plan on open sourcing right. and have made their processes within their company a lot easier with address management and reuse and stuff like that, just simple things like that. And then you think of 
uh, like Drew saw and Joe Kelly at uh, Unchained Capital building um, Caravan, which is their open source desktop desktop app for for uh, creating multi-sigs with different wallets and stuff like that. Um, and then, so they get the derivation path and everything right, so the user, it's an easier experience there and sort of automated, and then you're working on Polar. It seems like everything's coming together. Like, Yeah, I mean, it's it, getting better. Like, how, how big, how long is this timeline of Bitcoin in your mind, like? In terms of? In terms of it being successful, it being sufficiently built out in a successful project. Like, do you, like, do you think we're gonna bear the fruits of Bitcoin success in our lifetime will be our children or grandchildren? Like, are we... Mm, that's a great question. Like, the stuff that's being built right now is very rudimentary, it seems. Yeah. Um, I definitely think we got a, a, a still a bit of maturing to do, but I think we can probably... I mean, I, I, it's hard to say if it's going to be, like... I don't ever think there's going to be, like, a done for Bitcoin. Like, I think it's going to be just continued building on top of building, on top of building, learning, you know, adjusting based on the world around us moving forward. The technologies that come about and improve um, will have to keep up in the Bitcoin space as well with, you know, right now, you know, smartphones weren't a thing, you know, how many, a decade and a half ago. Like, yeah. <laughs> like the world. I got the iPhone the same year, uh, my first iPhone, the same year Bitcoin dropped, right? Yeah. I think that was the first oh, iPhone. Like yeah, somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. You know, obviously the world is going to move forward. So Bitcoin's going to have to, from a technical perspective, move forward along with it. React may not be the best application framework 10 years from now. So likely we're going to need better applications and tooling and stuff like that. Um, so I don't think there's, I don't think there's a ever a done. Um, I think there definitely is a goal of seeing it being usable by non-technical people. Like first day, it should be as easy to use as signing up for Instagram or, you know, downloading Cash App or something like that. Do you think the limits of the system are such that that's possible? I believe anything. Yeah, I believe anything's possible. Yeah. I, I believe, I mean, there's definitely certain constraints. Um, being that a high priority goal of the, of the ecosystem in general is privacy and security. Um, that does add a bit constraints, but I don't think it's, it makes it impossible. I think it just needs a bit of abstracting away. And I think, you know, through developers building on it, we discover, um, you know, we build foundations. It's like building a house, totally speaking. It's like, all right, first you lay the, the concrete foundation, then you got to put up your studs, then you got to put up the drywall, then you put in your fixtures and your flooring. Like, you know what I mean? It's like we have to build the the ecosystem itself yeah. layer by layer yeah no and i think you're describing this better than my question was attempting to like we it still feels like we're at the foundation phase where we're laying the cement right yeah <laughs> it does still feel there's there's some small pieces that are like oh this this should have existed already like not that it should have existed because of the timeline but we need this to exist like yeah. we need these fundamentals like all right you know you, you know tooling to make things easier and um, you know, like PBST, you know, PSBT, amp. PSBT, <laughs> PSBT. I make this mistake all the time, <laughs> but um, yeah. So let's jump into AMP. How does AMP make more, make Bitcoin more usable? I mean, ultimately it's, it's the, without AMP, 
you're conf- it's too confusing for the average person. It, it's too much information, so to speak. You know what I mean? It's like to have to mentally try to figure out where. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I know that this is not, that wasn't the original plan. Like, this is just because you're an early adopter, you got to deal with, you know, there's only a certain amount of time, a certain amount of developers that can get things done, and you have to progress over time to build out and make things better. So I don't think anyone's intention was that we're going to expose channels forever. Like, it's always been like, all right, we're going to figure out a way to do... To make it like magic. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> to just make it work like a normal credit card transaction online. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think AMP is just a great tool to hide the complexities of channels. Because I, I think that's a, a detail that most people don't need to know about. Um, you know, it, it, it's... I, I look at it as it's no different from, you know, with email. No one knows there's an SMTP server happening underneath the covers. All they know is they type some words on the screen, hit send, and it somehow makes it to its recipient. You know, I look at channels as like the SMTP protocol type of thing. Right. You so. should, yeah. Like some services are like just straight up giving you liquidity right away and trying right. to make like Breeze. They do that. Um, Phoenix is doing something as well. Right. To try and help. But those are, yeah, they, they seem like weird workarounds that probably aren't sustainable in the long run. But it does seem like things like AMP make it more sustainable. You can, like, loop in, things like loop in, loop out. And, right. Um, using AMP for submarine swaps where you just move your liquidity to the other side of the channels and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, and I think having those, those type of services built in directly to the wallets just improve the user experience. Like, it, it definitely should be the case that if I'm a user and I deposit, you know, $50 into my Lightning wallet, I should just feel comfortable being able to spend $50 in my Lightning wallet, you know, barring some, you know, I know there's uh, reserves, channel reserves that need to be met. So that might take a a little bit of, I don't know if if there are any techniques or ways around that. Um, But I think blending your, one, blending your, you know, um, your channels so that, there really is no such thing as channels yeah. in your wallet. Just simplifies the experience dr- dr- drastically, you know. Yeah, and then, well, I'm happy you mentioned like wallet software specifically. That's one thing. Never really, it took me a while to realize like how the wallet software is is probably one of the most important, like the most important. It's the hardest to monetize number one, but it's also the most important um, <laughs> software being built on top of Bitcoin because it. It's literally how you interact with your Bitcoin, yeah. right? And um, wallets in the future are going to be able to do so much stuff. It's going to yeah. be crazy. Yeah. It's, I mean, the wallet's taking on a big responsibility in, in, in the Bitcoin world. Um, they're going to have to do a lot in the Lightning world. I mean, a Lightning wallet is a big undertaking just in the simple fact of, um, that's why I commend guys, you know, building like Zap, you know, well, the... I'm a huge fan of Zap. Yeah, me I'm too. a very happy <laughs> Zap user. Yeah, you know the, the the story about how that got started and what he did with that is just amazing. Well, just and, and where it is today. Yeah, well, where it is today, it makes me a hardcore believer that like these wallet softwares are inevitably going to have to be open source. Right. Yeah, you definitely need it. If you're touching Bitcoin, yeah, it needs to be open source. Yeah, and uh, permissionless too. Yeah, like it's um, it's. I'm trying to think about what I want to hone in on the wallet software because, like, again, 
everybody's focused on like outside of Bitcoin. Everybody's focused on like DeFi. Uh, how do we create these weird crypto economic systems mm-hmm. that uh, put these digital assets to work? <laughs> and there's so many like we're, we're talking about right now, like mental costs that go into right. interacting with these t- technologies. Like yep. I feel like a lot of these um, projects outside of Bitcoin completely uh, don't think about mental cost at all. They just no. completely don't acknowledge them. And what I'm trying to get at here is like wallet builders, soft wallet software. That's like their main job is just take away as many decisions as possible. So like we were talking about with Andrew Chow, like coin selection is a huge one. Uh, coin, join coin joining. Coin joining is another be, one. Yeah. yeah it can definitely be a easily coin joining, easy coin selecting. Like, but it's small stuff like that. Everybody thinks you need to create these unique crypto economic systems, but it's like, no, you just need to make this technology more usable. Right. You got to bring it to the humans. <laughs> That's ultimately what it is. It's like more with building for people that have crypto to me is, a backwards you you you're, you're scoping your applications way too small like you need to build for human beings like this is majority of humans are not developers yeah they're, they're not technical they i mean they can navigate around a computer you know i mean these kids nowadays are growing up <laughs> with iphones in their hands and at one year old one years old so well you know this yeah i know this from experience <laughs> um so i've got a lot of good Good advice from Jamal in the last few weeks. <laughs> um, yeah, the these, uh, but at the same token, it's like the technical details just have to be hidden, and I think we have to spend um, a good amount of time focusing on making a lot of the things that we know as technologists are the better things, like coin joining, like um, um, coin selection, coin selection. Um, channel management fee uh, fee selection fee selection you know all of these things should just be like dust top. management batching dust batching. At the end of- yeah like all of these things should just be best possible scenario owned by default mm-hmm. that's just in my opinion the way it should be like you should open up a wallet and i'm it should you know, just, just imagining it should be doing all this for you like right. it should be coin joining in the background while your phone's on the charger at night <laughs> you know like your iphone backs up every night all right let's just coin join whatever funds we got or received in today right at night every night um you know it should be uh you know selecting the optimize coins when it's spending it should be managing your channels and looping in looping out if necessary to balance your channels out at night so like that's why I say that the, the wallet software has got a a, a pretty tough um, uphill battle. Tough. <laughs> it's, 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 it's got a well, it's got a lot of features that it needs to to bring to market. But with that being said, like I'm always flabbergasted by how the market's expectation of what Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies should be able to to do today is compared to like how nascent they are. Like as somebody who's built a company, a software company over the last 15 years, like how overblown are some people's expectations of what Bitcoin should be able to do today and how, how much do they not realize it takes time to build all this stuff. Yeah. And to be honest with you is it's, it's time. And, um, you know, you look at it and it's not like you don't have the VCs pouring money at, you know, people building for open source. Like there's a, I mean, there was a time in 2017 where, 
you can just write a white paper and get it. <laughs> we should have been writing a lot of Bitcoin white papers on CoinJoin and such at the time. But um, yeah, there's not a lot of like, this is, uh, uh, I mean, to be honest with you, I look at it as mostly uh, uh, pursuit, you know, a passion. Like, you know, people are just passionate about seeing Bitcoin succeed and are spending their own energy, their own time, their own money in some cases yeah, to well, produce these things. That's the other thing. You are a co-founder of a company, a successful company has been around for 15 years and you're dedicating your free time to Bitcoin. I mean, I want to see it succeed. That's, that's ultimately. <laughs> Is, that's, were you doing this for anything outside of Bitcoin before you found Bitcoin? No, I was heads down uh, in my business and that's the only thing that really I, I, other than like technology that my business can can use um i really didn't focus on anything else it was i mean i fell down a rabbit hole i mean um today i mean it's 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 even hard for me to to juggle the two because i find bitcoin so important you know it's it's one thing to build a business to become profitable and to you know get security for your family and hopefully leave something behind for your children. Um, but the impact that I feel that Bitcoin can have on the world is a much larger um, scale. And the, you know, kind of the uh, emotional, like... Yeah, you're getting a little emotional <laughs> right now, I can see Yeah, it, like the emotional, like you get just thinking about the impact it can have and the small little bit that you can contribute to to seeing it coming true is it's uh it puts things into light it put things into light like you know into perspective in the sense that you know what what's what do i find important you know and you know i just look at it like you know getting riches that's one thing that's sure that's that's great for you but you know what impact did you have on the world as a whole like you know what you came you don't want to be born, come and gone, and nothing into oblivion, yeah. right? Because because you were here, like you want something to have been changed because you existed on this earth. So that's how I perceive Bitcoin. You know, maybe I'm a, <laughs> no, a bit fan. <laughs> you know, living in a fantasy or something like that. No, it's, no, it's, you're not. Like I, I think that's what. There's a gravity, right? Like it, right. it, it draws. Like, and we talk, and we talk. We have this conversation comes up a lot on this podcast. Like, it's there's just something about it. Like, fuck, like a bit devs. Like, it was easy to spark up a conversation with you, and just like, I, mean, I feel like we had like a level of understanding of what what we value and what we're working towards right. immediately when you meet Bitcoiners, and I feel like we hit it off right away. And then on top of that, like, it is imperative. Like at this stage in our in human history right like yeah. we're at a very pinnacle point yeah or not a pinnacle point a pivotal point excuse me <laughs> the timing could we're on our way better. to the pinnacle but yeah the pivotal point like we I mean, and that's the crazy thing you know better than i you're older than me like how like how much the internet and technology has changed our lives since yeah. we've been alive i know i lived pre-internet <laughs> <laughs> like i i live right before aol and i remember life before aol very oh, very very a uh, short time of my life. I remember very little of it, but I do did have one toe in, but you, you've seen, like you were, yeah. yeah what was it? Um, uh, what's this fucking programming language? I keep forgetting. Modular, modular three, three. Oh, modular God. three, yeah, like yeah. from modular three to react. Like. Dude, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, it, it's this this world has changed. I, I lived in the dial-up era, you know, like I was in college during the dial-up era where to download a single MP3 took a half an hour. <laughs> <laughs> you know, imagine downloading off an app <laughs> music that takes an hour and you're tying up the phone line. Like. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it, it's just going to take time. And I think that's another thing, another reason why I feel the approach that Bitcoin takes to building a solution that will ultimately be scalable. It's not going to be scalable tomorrow. No way. But if you look at how the approach was taken with the internet and the layered approach and you see what's done today, like even when they were building the layers, no one had any idea that you, we'd be streaming 4K video down to our televisions. <laughs> <laughs> how crazy of a thought would that have been? 25 years ago, like they would have thought you were crazy thinking something like that. Back then we had, when I was young, we had... 13 channels on TV that, <laughs> with antennas. And you had, yeah, you had the youngest lay on the floor and they had to change the channel. Right. right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, you, you had human beings that were remote controls. Like. <laughs> you know, it, it, it's, it's, to me, it's the most logical approach mm-hmm. to scaling a system. And it's not going to, it's unfortunate, but, you know, people's expectations of what, yeah. you know, going back to the original question, uh, you know, a lot of people's expectations because we live in this, world today of instant gratification and um you know just urgency to to get stuff done and built um they it's unfortunate but you have to understand that these things are gonna take time they're gonna need to be flushed out very thoroughly and it's not just like you're building the internet now you're building as andreas andreas would say the internet of money Money. like that's if, if if money isn't the most important application on the internet <laughs> money is the money money is one half of every transaction on earth exactly it's literally the most important technology so it's to speak one of the most important and one of the least understood that's so true man dude i didn't it's i i couldn't even tell you anything about money until my mid to late 30s like it was what I was could, your, what do you mean like in terms of where money came from, like simple things. Like what yeah. made you care about the crisis or Bitcoin? The crisis started it, mm-hmm. and post crisis, I had lost hope. There's nothing we can do. Like the banksters have taken over. It's literally, we each have to just, you know, hope for or strive for happiness within your family, and you know protect yourself put your head down take care of yourself exactly yes live the best life you can live seek happiness amongst your small social circle um and make the best of what you can do in the situation we're living in but as after yeah after the crisis it was just like "Hmm, what can you do like literally what can you do and this was the occupy wall street days you know people protesting they're they're fucking us over i actually this is pretty crazy i have this up right now i'm starting a a piece on bitcoin for somebody outside of tftc and i had this timothy geithner quote um from february 10th 2009 i want to be candid the strategy will cost money involve risk and take time we will have to try things that we've never tried before we will make mistakes we will go through periods in which things get worse and progress is uneven or interrupted they told us that they Mm -hmm. were gonna like that they fucked up and that like Timothy Geithner said, progress will be uneven. Like, uh, like looking back in retrospect, like these, 
the the solution to their problem was just extending the problem and that's why i want to start the piece with this quote you guys are getting a sneak peek into this <laughs> but um it, it, like they were choreographing what they what they were about to do and, and people just took it because but it goes back to the fact that people don't understand money or how right. it works they think that these people need to control the money correct and right? that's that's intentional i've had many conversations with amongst friends in, in smaller circles of just how the lack of financial education in this, the public school system is, is yeah. absurd it's, it's almost it's, intentional yeah it is i wouldn't say it's almost intentional it is actually it is absolutely there's no other way to describe it right that you don't teach people about how simple things how it's, to manage your credit how to save how to um especially with the the culture of uh of guilting everybody into going to college into going into tens of thousands of dollars of debt debt, to go to college and then not teaching them how to manage that debt after when they get out just like oh six weeks after you graduate the bills start coming yeah don't have a job yeah you're fucked yeah i swear and then you're like wait what 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 (laughs) (laughs) right yeah I, i definitely have you know cousins and such that are coming out of college and literally can't find work or they're working in a different industry like that it's it's and yet they're in mountains of debt it's it's uh it's in no in my mind it's no way this is just a natural cause of no this this is certainly intentional to keep the masses the majority of people just you know sheep content in in the herd content and i well i agree with it well that's the thing. Is it a nefarious action? That's what I go back and forth. Like, so I think there is definitely intention uh, behind keeping people ignorant. And right. I wonder if it's nefarious in the fact that they, uh, they just want to control people or it's uh, the fact that they fuck things up so bad that they don't have the, <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the ability to, to, front, uh, to face the, right. uh, the reality of the it's situation. It's so deep into a lie that there is no exactly, coming back. Exactly. Like, oh, too deep. <laughs> I, I can't. I can't unwind myself because now it's too far gone that well, I'd just be. Well, because it's a, like, and I talked about this with Leishman a couple episodes ago. I ask, like, uh, being the Bitcoin guy, like, my first, my first, and I'm the typical douchey Bitcoin guy. Like, my first question was, like, how does Bitcoin work? And I just go, how does money work? What is money? And, like, right. what is the U.S. dollar backed by? And then eight times out of 10, 80%, I'll get it. It's backed by gold. And I'm like, what the fuck? Right. Yeah. I get that a lot too. Uh, what is it backed by? I find it um, even interesting to think about, like the whole concept of, of money being backed was created by fiat, you know, by fiat money. It, right. There was no reason for money to be backed because it, it was, was the money. money. <laughs> like, why would money need to be backed until fiat system? And then, and most people don't know that these well, we dollars to, aren't backed yeah. anymore. It's amazing. It's like, I mean, the Matrix analogies get thrown around, but it's like you literally have to give, get to unplug people from the Matrix. Yeah. Be like, this is not how it works. Right. Everybody expects like this is the way the world works, but like it does not work this way. Yeah, and there are, there are better ways to have it work. We think Bitcoin is that. Like, do you see Bitcoiners winning over the masses in the long run? Like, do you think our our pitch is good at this point? Do you I think, think it's inevitable. You think? I think so long as we can keep Bitcoin chugging along and continuing to fight off all the attacks whether it be from within with the forks or you know outside coming in from the governments or state 
I think, I mean, because, I mean, if you look at the dollar, the purchasing power of the dollar over the last hundred years, it's, it's inevitable. Like, it just, the dollar just has to keep being the shit coin that it is, and Bitcoin just has to keep doing what it's doing. If we can maintain it, and like I said, fight off the attacks from outside, and obviously we're going to keep making it easier to use for more people to get on board, I think it's, in my opinion, it's inevitable. As I don't, again, going back to one of the other questions about timeline, I think it, it could stretch past, you know, you know, our lifetimes, certainly. I, I don't, I could, it's, because there is there's never an end. Like, I don't think, I think, I'm not sure, like, the world reserve currency, that I don't see happening in our lifetimes. Will it, could it happen? Uh, I put a small percentage that it's possible. It's not impossible. I think, you know, if enough, damage is done if if enough corruption is exposed if enough um just wealth gets transferred eventually you're gonna have a a revolt an uprising, of, an right? uprising. well that's the thing so look what i hi- look what i highlighted here they 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 told us timothy geithner told us i'm gonna take time it's gonna take time and progress is gonna be uneven and when he said i'm gonna take time People will probably take that as a, hey, this is going to take a long time. It's going to take years. But what they really did was take people's time. This policy pushed people into the workplace. It extended the the average age of the workforce participant from, like, uh, or, excuse me, the average age on the older end from, like, low 60s to mid 60s. Like, right. it took people's time. Like, they ruined this system. And they literally took time from people by forcing them back into the workforce because their purchasing power was diminished and uh, the people constructing and architecting the financial system fucked them over. And then on top of that, progress in the recovery is going to be uneven. They printed money out of thin air and gave it to banks who then just put it in the assets that they owned to make their wealth even more. Right? And then then now you have 40% or I think 60% of your average American cannot afford an average, excuse me, uh, an emergency expense of $400. Right, yeah. Like no, nuts. Nobody's saving money. Yeah. And if they're they are saving saving. money, they're, they're, they're saving money that's getting devalued year on year. Yeah. And, I mean, how, how could you save when you got so much debt that you're piling up? Like, you're encouraged. Like you said before, you come out of college and, you know, what well, the first thing I remember when I went to college, the first... Uh, what do they call them? Like uh, fairs. It was nothing but credit card companies. <laughs> and job fairs? <laughs> and job fairs. Like, yeah. it's, it's a whole bunch of credit card companies. Or you see them with a booth right outside the cafeteria or one of the restaurants, and they're just, you want a credit card? Yeah, here, here's 5000 bucks. Like, we know you need you, to... you got no credit. <laughs> you got <laughs> no history of paying anyone back. Yeah, I'm going to give you 5000 bucks because I know you're going to spend it all, and then I'm going to increase your limit. And you're going to spend all that. And so that you're going to come out of college also owing me $20,000. Yeah. And you're in the cycle. Yeah. And it's hard to get out of that. It is a hamster wheel, dude. <laughs> I, I know this from experience, man. Because yeah. I know. I'll be open here. I know. I had to, again, this is well known on this podcast. I've never told this particular story. It was a, an effect from uh, this part of my life, but I was unemployed for two years and it got to a point where I couldn't pay back my college loans. I wound up defaulting mm-hmm. and I had to pay them back in one foul swoop when I eventually got back on my feet and it was not easy or fun, but like, it felt like I was fucked over right. like, to, yeah. to an extent, like, fuck, like, 
Dude, how much would you say college benefited? What's college worth the money that you spent on college? Wow. Like, it, it, if you look at it, like every expense or every purchase you make, you evaluate, you know, am I going to spend 100000 on this car or am I going to spend 10000 on this car? A $100,000 on the car looks really nice, but is it worth my $100,000? You can't really do that with college. You know, no. everything is inflated 10x well, or because there's a psychology behind it too. You're in part of the American dream is socially and encouraging and so going to college. Everybody's got to go to college, to, right? yeah. And it's, I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's the college system, the university system in America is like laughable at this point because it's yeah. completely money driven you, yeah. you talk about the ncaa is like the shining example of, of college corruption incarnated but then like you just get into the whole system of tenure and the the textbook racket that goes on within yeah. the university <laughs> systems and like i had to take i had mandatory classes that were sponsored by like corporate lobbyists that were like just teaching you how to be corporate drones like literally how to write an email that was acceptable for pr like i had to take the when I, like when i was in college wow. A decade ago like that that is the type of classes that you're forced to pay for you're forced right. to go into debt to pay to learn how to become a drone right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's i mean even you know I, I i hear or i see or read you know a lot of stories about even how that's the public school system that like their intention is to produce mass produce while you know, this comes from the um, industrial age of, you know, every employee needed to go to the factory, sit at a station all day long and just repeat the same process over and over and over again. Um, and their children need somewhere to go throughout the day. So send them to this place that we'll call school and we'll try to teach them some things. But ultimately, um, the things they'll learn will be how to walk in a straight line and take orders. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> this is what they'll learn. They'll, they'll learn how to listen to the authority in charge, you know, and there's plenty of studies that show that no one can learn uh, or, or everyone learns at their own different pace and everyone has their own skill set and creativity and, you know, all these things that make us unique and different and they try to like force that out of you and structure you at what, what makes you special. They try to basically dampen and with conformity and in, 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 yeah. into conformity into this robotic state of just you know all right we need you to just come out and be a worker oh, you know for most <laughs> for most people they've been pretty successful right did you say yeah for most <laughs> for a lot i mean there's a reason why a lot of our very successful entrepreneurs do not finish college if you look at it there's a pattern right. of very very successful entrepreneurs that um i think the tech industry is born many, oh, many definitely. Uh, entrepreneurs but even with that said even well as a millennial as somebody like so i went through public school system and then went to private school for high school and it was, it's a crazy dichotomy like night and day like the different like styles that you go to i was lucky to go to the high school that i went to but it just seems that the schooling system, specifically this public schooling system, has been this way in America for decades at this point. Um, Technology is at a certain point 
too, that while even though people have conformed to uh, sort of the the structure of the public school and university system that's been built in America here over the last five decades, even so, even having gone through that, yes, some people are uh, caught hook, line, and sinker and will conform. More and more people, because of things like Twitter, are speaking back and or speaking up and saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't go down this path. Right. Like, we probably should work actually against this type of uh, mental conformity moving forward. Yeah. And uh, that's one thing that makes me hopeful about Bitcoin is it really forces people to, to jump out of that, conf- that conforming mindset of right. how to think. I think so, too. I, I, I would say Bitcoin is one of the most liberating. I don't even want to call it just the technology because it's not just the technology. It's, it's more, it's so much more. It's, it's, you know, it's social, it's economical, it's, it's, it's like lifestyle in a, in a sense, you know, it, it's, it's literally like once you get into Bitcoin, you just see the world through a, a very different lens. You know, once you understand Bitcoin, you know, I wouldn't say once you get into it, there's plenty of people in Bitcoin that still think that, you know, I don't know. Well, you have <laughs> people who are in it for the money, down. right? Right. People that are, you know, focused on the financial gains. Yeah. In it, you know, but once you understand the the implications of what's actually achievable, it's 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 mind blowing. You know, of the impacts. You know, like you said, it's, it, it can impact not just the largest wealth transfer in human history, but you know, the the schooling system, the the, the our desires. Is, you know, reducing everyone's just urgent need for fast results. This fast food epidemic. Right. It, it's nuts. The food we eat is absolutely <sighs> insane, too. <laughs> That's a whole nother rabbit hole, right? Well, let's uh, jump to No, it's, it's crazy. Well, you talk about complex systems. That's... And so that's one thing that Bitcoin really drives home is, is systems are complex. Bitcoin is a very complex system that works. Right. It's an emergent complex system that works. And I would argue Bitcoin and many other complex systems are just uh, not replications, but uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not replications, but uh, they're similar to nature, right? And they put similar processes mm-hmm. are playing out. Darwinian processes. Um, and now I completely forget where I was going with that point. Um, fuck. What were what we was I saying about the food we eat? Oh, yes, the food we eat. Yes, so complex systems. The food we eat is not like something we think about at all, but like complex systems, like starting with nutrition, humans run on food. That is exactly what <laughs> it, we run on. It, uh, it really balances out the chemicals balances or imbalances the chemicals in our body and how we react in certain social situations. And in America, I can only speak for America, like most of the country's eating fucking shit. Yeah. And we wonder why people are so pissed off, stupid and out of shape and out of shape and, you know, all types of weird diseases that we can't explain. And yeah. And they're like, where does it come from? And it's like, literally it's what you eat. It's what you eat. <laughs> like you, you are what you eat. Like it's literally, well, you, know, you, you, you are what you eat. You're the money you use. You're the you're the people you hang out with. It's it's like these complex systems. These this complex person that you are today, and the society that we are uh, cumulatively today is complex. And it starts with these building blocks: money, food, uh, education. Education, yeah. Like, and, and 
and a lot of it is broken. Well, that's the sad part. Yeah, well, that's one thing. Owls Lacrosse. If you listen to the podcast, you know about Owls Lacrosse. When I was working at Owls Lacrosse, oh yes, I have heard. That's yeah. one thing I got after. And I was going to college in Chicago. I take the bus to the west and south side, and that's the first thing you realize is that the food deserts. Like a lot of these, a lot of the kids in these neighborhoods are eating honey buns and fucking Gatorades at <laughs> at noon, and they're all hyper and and agitated during the school day, and, right. and they need this lacrosse program to get all their energy. But like. Food is a very, very important part of this process. Like yeah. high fructose corn syrup, having kids eat these, these products for, for breakfast and then going to school and uh, expecting them to perform at, at, at optimal levels is just asinine. Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I mean, I mean ultimately, it's, there's these social dependencies that we as humans rely on, like our food, our money, um, our you know education system that to me privatizing is a big core of the problem when when your motivation is profit driven and not best product driven then you take you cut corners yeah. yeah you cut corners you you do things to save a penny per apple you know something as simple as seedless grapes like what right. The fuck? What the hell is this? It's great, dude. It, it's it's just baffling how far how far we've come away from our natural, you know, lifestyles and habitats and and and, and way of living. Yeah. We've manufactured. Well, it's a trade off, right? World. It's uh, it's a trade off for lower cost and uh, accessible or not accessibility, but um. Yeah, accessibility, easiness, like ease of acquisition, right? Right. Like, yeah. But again, it's time preference. That's why I like time preference. Yeah, that's the same thing I was thinking. (laughs) It's literally time preference, but it's 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 hard to find. It's because it's conditioning. It's conditioning from when you're in first grade. Yeah. It's literally. Oh, I I vividly remember every day in first grade buying, bringing fifty cents so I get my bag of munchos for the snack. It's or Cheetos or Funyuns. When you're young or, you know, my three-year-old, Happy Meal. It's literally like she's had a Happy Meal one time in her life, which I regret, <laughs> <laughs> regret every single day. But it's literally like every time she sees a McDonald's, it's like. Is that dopamine? Is that, yeah. Did you see that video that was going around Twitter like a couple months ago of a baby taking a sip of Coke at McDonald's for the first time? No, I haven't. And it had seen like it. it's like it has to be like a eighteen to twenty four month old baby, and it takes it like its parent takes a video of it taking its first sip of Coke, fountain soda Coke at this age, and it literally had like a physical reaction unlike anything I've ever seen. Like, <laughs> like the sugar rush to its head was like, what the fuck is this? Like, whoa. <laughs> but that's like yeah, sugar man. That's like sugar. It's it's something I've tried to cut out more and more in my life, but it's hard. It's impossible. I'm a fucking Irish Catholic who loves potatoes. Like, <laughs> I love carbs. It's tough. It's tough. To, I mean, that that's the problem, though. It's like you you live in this world of where it's almost impossible to do the right thing. Like you, to go out of your way to to try to eat better, to exercise, and you know to do the things that help you maintain and stay healthy. To take possession of digital sound money. Right. <laughs> to hold your keys. Right. <laughs> um, it's it's a strange world we live in, but you know, I, I, I certainly believe that we, we have plenty of problems, but I certainly believe that Bitcoin 
helps. I wouldn't say it solves, but it helps uh, a lot on the financial side. Like you said, half of every single transaction, if we can make that a little fairer. Uh, well, that's what I was going to ask to end it here. So like overall, are you optimistic or pessimistic? About Bitcoin? About or, like, no, where we're going. the world in general? The world in general. Like we're, we are, we lived, we are, we live, we were born in a weird time. Right. <laughs> and we're going to live through a very tumultuous change in human history as technology yeah, a, takes over. Is it going to be a good change for us? I absolutely. I, I believe so. I, yeah. I believe that, you know, we'll, we'll stray from the, the course of what should be, but we'll correct. You know, I, I think Bitcoin is a sign of correction. I, there was a time where I would say, which group? It's, it's every man for himself. Live your best life. You know, <laughs> get a gun, <laughs> protect your family. Because <laughs> if, you know, if all goes to hell, you know, we just got to do the best you can with what, what, what you got. But um, today I'm definitely more optimistic about the world that I'll leave to my kids. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm uh, yeah, I, I believe the world will be a better place so long as there's people like you <laughs> and the many others in, 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 the, in the Bitcoin space that, you know, are pushing to see this thing come to fruition. Well, it's people like you, again, give me hope that I'm not dumb because, like, again, finding very smart people like yourself who've built successful businesses, have raised families, and have a lot of skin in, in the traditional world, throwing your, your weight into Bitcoin, it's inspiring and again it's comforting yeah. <laughs> like that's, <what> I, <laughs> that's funny <laughs> i had not thought it would have that impact <laughs> right? well that's one thing as uh some of you freaks may not know i'm an expecting father like how much uh yeah, how much thank you how many uh how much uh motivation does having children provide Is it, oh it changes your perspective drastically yeah yeah it changes your perspective from it definitely lowers <laughs> or increases your no lowers your time preference mm -hmm. definitely lowers your time preference because you start thinking about the world after you and how the life they're going to live the world they're going to live in after you're not here um so in every decision you make is uh, there's things that today probably for you are like high priority like oh my shirt's not clean. Like <laughs> my favorite shirts in the laundry or something like that. That'll just be. You won't even. It what, won't what was that shirt? <laughs> what shirt? <laughs> <laughs> right. It is. It's like they they change you substantially. But I think I mean that's one of those again those natural cycles that I believe. You know, that we're kind of from a spiritual level we're put here to do is to be fruitful, multiply. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know it is that simple sometimes. Yeah, that's that's how I tend to look at it. It's like you know, if there's anything uh, um, we've been placed on this earth to do, that is reproduces to me is one of the most important things because not only do we um, like contribute to make uh, the society, global society as a whole, better. You know, we definitely could. Uh, measure and say that we are in a better place today than we were 200 years ago. I would agree to that. Um, 
but yeah, we, we continue to, as long as we don't break the planet, of course, um, in the process. Very important. <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't think we can break the planet as long as we don't, the planet will always recalibrate. That's long, true too. Yeah. As long as, uh, as long as we don't make the planet in, uh, uninhabitable. Is that a word? Inhabitable. Yeah, yeah. Uninhabitable. Uninhabitable. Nuke ourselves to. Yes. <laughs> well, Bitcoin fixes this. Bitcoin does. Fix Instead it. of nuking ourselves, we could use Bitcoin uh, mining to prove that countries are denuclearizing. Oh. Right. I they use that one. Elaine Elaine O put this out uh, really? on her blog a couple months ago. So like, and it, it was specifically about North Korea. Like, if we were really worried about North Korean nuclear bombs uh and then winding down their nuclear um their nuclear program what we would do is make them make nuclear energy um uh nuclear energy fat or what am i like nuclear facilities not for making bombs but for consuming Wait, energy and then bitcoin with it. mine bitcoin within you would see like a a spike in the hash rate. Yeah, a spike in the hash rate <laughs> to prove that they're denuclearizing. That's funny. That's right? a good one. Right. That's oh. what, that's what I like. Drew Bensal said when he came on. We need, we can't, we shouldn't be using nukes, uh, as rockets. We should put be putting them on the bottom of rockets and, and pointing them at space, like not at each other. Right. Exactly. Absolutely. Um. So yeah, you know, I I'm, I'm pretty uh happy or optimistic i would say about the future you know definitely more optimistic than i were than i was 10 years ago i'd say i think i'd agree too we've been around all the topics i think we we came here to cover like what uh what do you think excuse me how can people help you with polar like or or Mm. do you need help with anything are there any pressing issues there's there's um I mean, there's a bunch I'd like to do. <laughs> um, I mean, I would love to, I got, I got to put up a website. I think, you know, as I mentioned before, discoverability, I think is definitely something uh, we have to do better. Because I went through the experience myself of looking for tools to help make my life easier. And there's definitely, like I said, there's segmented out. There's a bunch of great tools out there to automate some of the processes. But I think um, discoverability is definitely something we can improve on um so for polar um feedback i mean honestly if you use it and you tell me it works excellent or you tell me hey can we make this change or that change i've gotten great feedback from um some great people um specific feedback use cases that i had not thought of because again you know i was building based off my experience building what use lightning like what um one is to uh, be able to basically split Polar into kind of two different applications. Like there's a library, so there's an SDK, a Polar SDK, so to speak, that basically encapsulate all of the functionality to create networks, create the Docker files, to um, start and stop the networks, to add and remove nodes, that type of thing. So basically split Polar in half and separate the UI from a library so that other applications can use just the library portion to do different things. Right. That was a good idea. (laughs) Um, Interesting. Yeah. So So you can basically have like just a polar SDK that has the functionality to create local lightning networks, but many people have different use cases. 
that they want to address that may not need the UI. Let's just say they want to automate spinning up a network with 200 nodes, open, close channels, and do X, Y, Z, and then shut it down real quickly. And so that says a lot about you putting this out there. Like you had a problem that you wanted to solve, and then somebody else has like a, a tangential problem. It's not exactly the same. It's like, hey, this might be able to help, right? <laughs> but that's a testament to, and what I'm trying to get at here is like not being afraid to put yourself out there in this space. Because that's what I think. Like a lot of people that I, encounter, I have a lot of people in my DMs like, how do I contribute? How do I contribute? I'm really? nervous. And I'm like, I'm not a developer. I can't. Tell like, <laughs> uh, I guess we, the ending topic here could be like, yeah, like what? What do you think? What got you over that hump psychologically of putting yourself out there and not being worried about the feedback? Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I guess it really was just like, I want to help. I, uh, the desire to, one, I, I learn by doing. Like, that's the best way for me to learn is to try to do something, stumble, figure out a solution, and it sticks. Like, whenever I come across that, it, it, like, it sticks with me because I faced that issue and I may have spent an hour, two hours, or two days trying to get past this hurdle and trying to build. And so... I learn more, so much more by doing than by reading only, you know, or even doing um, like practice exercises. Like if you, you know, you'll watch a tutorial video on how to do something or you'll read a book on how to do something and they'll have sample code, but it doesn't stick to me, at least the way I learn. It doesn't stick as, 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 as good as it does when I actually build on it. So that was the primary reason why is I wanted to learn and contribute at the same time. So it's like, okay, I can, um, and I think, you know, finding projects that um, are leveraging the, the technical skills or the technologies that you have skills in um, are great ways to, to contribute. If you know JavaScript, there's a plenty of projects out there. Um, Paul is one of them, TypeScript, but same thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, or if you know Python, or if you know Go, or if you know C++, you know, I think it literally is just a matter of finding what skills you have already and applying them to uh, uh, an open source project. And I think, I don't think anyone would be turned off by you contributing <laughs> to their project. I think everyone in the Bitcoin space is more than welcome of anyone willing to contribute. Yeah, I think a lot of you would be surprised with how many of them are begging for not begging right. but like, <laughs> so to speak in their in their minds like oh, I would love help on this right yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely I don't think anyone wants to be the sole developer on any project you know I think we all want um, assistance because it gives you um, you know someone to bounce ideas off of someone to um, help even <laughs> you know you'll get more done yeah if you had if you had some assistance any feedback's know. good feedback right absolutely and Jamal I want to thank you for all that you do I appreciate it man. for trying to fix a problem that you had and f happened or just so happened to fix a problem that a lot of other lightning developers had as well and making development easier and then again proving that Bitcoin's worth it right like if, if you're building this tool for these very specific developers there's got to be something behind this like there's something driving yeah. us weirdos to this project <laughs> for some reason we're not weirdos you're all weirdos <laughs> i'm not weird. at least i hope not <laughs> no no that was a that's a that's the other thing like yeah 
most of the Bitcoiners I mean are just down to earth people who want to want to do good in the world. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right? They want simple. the world to be a better place. Yeah. For their kids. That's, yeah. That's 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 my overarching. You know, I, if if I had to if I had to sum it up in a sentence, you know, I want the world to be a better place for my kids. I was going to ask you for a final thought, but I don't think we can top that. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's ultimately it, you know. Bitcoin fixes it. Boss. Where can we uh, find out more about you, what you're working on? Uh, of course, um, Twitter, even though I'm not a big tweeter. Um, you can definitely catch me on my DMs, JamalJSR on Twitter. Um, same on GitHub. Um, Polar is a project there. You can definitely leave issues, uh, feedback, or... Uh, feature requests or anything like that, and yeah, I'm definitely you know, I'm 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 around. I'm I'm in bed devs, try to be as often as possible, and um, we, yeah, that's pretty much it. We didn't even get to your midlife crisis. Damn it! What was the midlife crisis? The motorcycle. Oh, we didn't even talk about <laughs> the bike life. <laughs> Do we have a minute for the bike life? Do we have a few minutes? Uh, yeah, of course. You know what? Fuck it. We're not ending it right now. The bike life. That's something that fascinates me. You're, so your <laughs> your avatar on Twitter is you, Dragon Knee. Dragon Knee. On, Love it. on a racing... Racetrack. Yeah. yeah. So what is that? With, like, this, <laughs> so, it's got to be one of the most dangerous sports in the world, correct? Uh, I would say street riding is. Yeah? Yeah. Um. I'm I'm not a I'm definitely not a professional or not striving to be a professional. Your avatar makes it look like you're a professional. I know, that's why it's my avatar, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put the one in me falling and crashing and burning. <laughs> that's my avatar. Um yeah, I just you know, I was spent a few years, I wouldn't say a lot a long time, but spent a few years just riding sport bike, motorcycle for those bikers. Um you know, it's the, the race rockets. Um, riding on the street, it was, you know, kind of just a hobby. I got into a friend of mine actually sucked me into it. <laughs> he was like, dude, let's get bikes, you know. Something about the speed? Is, it the, spe- is it the speed? Um, yeah, part of it's the speed, the adrenaline rush, um, definitely, I would say. Um, but it's, it's pretty, it's, it's not, it's safer than you think. In terms of um, controlling the bike, I mean, it's a lot to learn. There's a lot of technicals to learn, which, you know, if you just buy a bike from a dealer, you know, learn how to ride it, taking a test or whatever, and you just go on the street and ride, very dangerous. That, I would say, is very dangerous. Um, So I spent a few years with my friends, you know, riding around New York City, you know, having fun, riding our bikes, and then uh, began going upstate to... uh, track called New York safety track. It's a good name for it because it's pretty safe where they make you suit up full head to toe, um, leather suit, boots, gloves, helmet. And, um, you get to ride around the track for a day, two days. Basically you can uh, camp out at the track, you know? So it was kind of like a fun family, like getaway with me and my friends and the families and we get out barbecues. So it was like summer, What's it? What's it like when you're actually dragging me though, and like hanging um, that load the, the first ground? time you do it is startling. Yeah. <laughs> the first time you do it because it feels like because it's rubber. It's just a hard rubber, so it feels like an eraser dragging on the floor. But the first time you do it is pretty. It's pretty shocking. But after that, it's you know it's pretty. 
it's just normal. Like, I mean, you know, you get used to it to the point where, like, most times I'm trying not to drag my knee. It just happens naturally because of the way you position your body to get around the corner fast. That's what's always uh, fascinating me about, like, bike racing at that level. Like, how how much on the edge are you when you're when you're dragging knee like that like how in terms of how much wheel how much tires on the ground or how yeah much? like how how like what's the margin of error for you sliding very, into, oh it's very thin you got to have very yeah. good tires you got to make sure your tires are in good shape you can't wear your tires down to their ball so um but you get this probably close to about an inch three quarters of an inch of tire actually on Fuck. The floor, yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty small. You gotta have really good tires, um, but the momentum is is what's keeping you going. So you gotta have good speed too. You can't be going around the turn at twenty, thirty miles an hour. You got you gotta be taking Rip it with your speed. Yeah, and I mean, I think it's it was fascinating to me when I first got into it, like the first trip to the track. I think you sit down and teach you about um, you know all the things about the track. You know where you need to be because your bike should be in a specific spot of the lane you want to start on the outside come in to the apex the peak of the turn and then shoot for the outside when you're exiting the turn so um your 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 the bike lane is what they call it um you have to learn about the bike lane you have to learn about body positioning because in order to drag your knee you need to shift you want to you want to shift the center of gravity over to your left if you're turning left and then push the bike up so you're not pulling it down so it, it allows you to get more speed into a turn. Um, it's like a so physics lesson, basically. It is. It is, a lot, <laughs> it is a lot of physics. And so it's it's a lot of skill that actually helped me become a better street rider, you know, more comfortable street rider. I used to, you know, when I'm coming up on the turn, I used to slow down, you know, to as slow as possible because I'm scared this thing's going to lean over. But now, you know, I come into a turn and I can maneuver around, like, dangerous situations and stuff like that. So... It definitely makes you a better street rider, and it's a lot more fun. It's safer. Like you know, people go down at the track a few times a day. Like yeah. it's normal, common occurrence. No one goes to the hospital. Everyone's suited up. You know, there's cleanup crews for your bike parts if something like that. And a lot of times there's repairmen that with parts that you can have your bike fixed same day and right back, back on, on the track. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, Yeah, it's a really great experience. Um, Is it cathartic for you? Yeah, definitely. It, it, it definitely like like it's just like an escape like you know what i mean just yeah. for the moment to just have just me and the bike you know you don't think about anything else yeah that's one thing yeah i'm looking for i'm looking for that escape too i think yeah as uh i can't play basketball anymore because my <laughs> knees um bitcoin's more of a job than escape these days not more <laughs> of a job and then it's an escape fighting like, off the trolls yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, luckily i don't have as much as of a troll problem as a lot of people out there do. I try to keep a low profile on Twitter. Really? <laughs> Outside of the post. That's surprising. I've been trying to I've been trying to reel back my Twitter uh uh Twitter activity, if you will. Mm-hmm. I'm probably doing a bad job at it. I'm addicted to that app. As anybody Twitter, man. Twitter is a it's a crazy place, dude. It is. As is this world. That's very true as well. And this is Bitcoin. Bitcoin has Introduced me to many incredible people like Jamal. Jamal. Appreciate that. Man. I can't thank you. Uh, dude, I can't thank you for building what you built and coming to talk to me about about it and all this shit. 
Dude, it's a pleasure to be here. I'm honored to be here. Oh, <laughs> it's an honor. Like, you know, I read your emails. I've been reading your emails since 2018, like somewhere around that time, summer, winter, somewhere around that time. Well, thank you for providing some fodder to write about. <laughs> <laughs> Not fodder. Good news to write about, right? Well, it's, I, I, I view what I do like very, very below what you're working on and stuff no, like that. You're actually I making do. Bitcoin extendable. Uh, trust me, it falls down the same way for me to the protocol developer. Like everyone, yeah. everyone's got the same thing. Like what you're doing is just as important to yeah. it, it by far. Because who knows? I wouldn't, I wouldn't understand Bitcoin as well as I understand Bitcoin without people like yourself yeah. putting out content that's invaluable. Well, I wouldn't be putting out this content if you weren't building shit, so <laughs> the feeling is mutual, Scratch brother. Off. Right, right. <laughs> scratching each other's back. <laughs> um, again, thank you for all you do. Thank you for coming, driving, and thank you for the Hennessy. I'm going to enjoy this. I don't, I, we're almost like halfway down this bottle. This might be the fastest uh, gifted uh, <laughs> bottle of liquor that, that I go through on Tales from the Crypt. Damn Take one more sip before we go. To All right, here, let me pour you up. All right, we're gonna uh, we're gonna end it on that, freaks. We're gonna end it on a uh, a top up of the Hennessy here. Peace and love. Ta-da!